Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, last Sunday morning we started a series on the miracles of Christ from the book of Luke. I'd like to preach a second message from that tonight, Luke chapter 5. And we won't look at every miracle, but we'll look at several as we go through this in Luke, the book of Luke. I want to thank those this morning that helped out. We appreciate so much those that helped with barbecuing and putting food out and helping clean up and set up and all the rest. Thank you so much. We had a good morning. Several visitors, lots of uh, several bus parents came. And uh, if you know uh, Annette Cooper, Annette's been coming to our church for about two years and walked the aisle and accepted Christ this morning. So we praise the Lord for that. And, uh, you know, it's exciting when anybody gets saved, but when somebody's been coming for a while and hearing the preaching for a while, and you kind of you feel like when they get saved, they understand it and that they're going to go forward with it. And so praise the Lord for that. You can pray for Annette. She comes faithfully with her daughter, Amber, uh, every Sunday morning nearly. And uh, Amber comes to our teen program as well. And then they have a husband named Ken, uh, works with uh, Brother Jeff Massacre, and, and I went to school with him years ago. We see him once in a while. Pray for Ken's salvation as well through this. Um, about a year and a half ago, we sat at their kitchen table and shared the gospel with all of them and uh, just kind of, you know, kind of looked at me like, yeah, we've done that, but no, you can understand, there was no understanding there. But we praise the Lord for that. And then little Nevaeh that walked up, she didn't wait. I, I was still had my microphone on and I took one step and she stepped down and says, I need to be saved. And uh, they took her back and she had... She was just, just doubting and needed some assurance. She knew the plan of salvation through and through uh, from coming to Sunday school and master clubs. And so we thank the Lord that she, nothing wrong with that. You know, the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And if you don't know for sure, you sit down and talk with somebody. I sat beside the bedside of somebody uh, from this church that was dying, had been in a member of this church for probably 60 years and sat beside their bedside. And they said, pull up that chair right there. And I pulled the chair up and they said, now I want to make sure I'm saved. 60 years and had served in the church and done all kinds of things. They said, I just want to be sure. And it wasn't long after that they went home to be with the Lord. And so we thank the Lord for just making sure, just making sure. And then, of course, uh, Herman came forward this morning, Herman Tykrobe, and uh, submitted to Believer's Baptism. Let's pray that he follows through with that now. Uh, it's wonderful to uh, see him growing. And Brother, uh, Brother McPherson's been discipling him. And so uh, we're excited about that. Let's turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Let me also mention that we had uh, a record number, I believe, on Thursday night. And that's unusual for the first night of the year, isn't it, Brother Baker? Usually you kind of peak. Last year, I think it was the second last week, we had 193. Is that correct? The last week we came down a little bit. But second to last week, we had 193. Uh, this Thursday night, we had 201. All right? So now, I'm going to be honest, I'm a Baptist, and so I counted babies in the womb and everything. But... Um, we had, we had 200 without the baby in the womb, so praise the Lord, we'll take that. And uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, in, in Hamilton, we always counted, we had, in, uh, in a six-year period, we had 14 babies born. You say, how do you grow a church? That's how you do it, amen? And uh, 11 of them, 11 of those babies came from multiple births. Think about that. Bethany was born during that time. We had a set of triplets and four sets of twins born in the church in a six-year period. It was incredible. And uh, so there's something in the water there at Faith Baptist. Mrs. Kirkwood, if you go there, don't drink the water, all right? And, uh, and, but what a, what a blessing And uh, as the church grew. And we always, my ushers always counted, if a woman was pregnant, they counted her twice. And they didn't do it to be funny or to boost the numbers. They did it because they said that child's a living soul. And they just wanted to be clear to everybody, that child matters. 
And it mattered to them. And so it wasn't about boosting numbers or anything else. It was just simply about that child being a living soul. And so we count those, amen? They count. I don't care what the abortionists say, they count. And we praise the Lord for every soul that, is, uh, that God brings into this world. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read verses 12 through 15. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he poured forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto thee. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to understand your word tonight. Speak to our hearts. Father, I've been stirred by the singing tonight. I believe to the best of our our abilities in, in this sinful flesh, we tried our best to praise you and worship you. So I pray, Lord, that you would re, in return work in our midst and speak to our hearts. Would you show us that grace tonight? Father, I need your help, so I pray that you'd fill me with thy Holy Spirit. And help me tonight, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Since we've been just now the second time looking at the miracles of Jesus in the book of Luke, I look at them a little differently as I study them. Often we will preach a passage of scripture and try to draw things out, but as I'm looking at these, I'm looking specifically at the miracle itself. Sometimes you see something in the miracle, see some, sometimes you see something in the one that the miracle was performed on, sometimes you see something in the response afterwards, and tonight we kind of see all of that. I just want to share just three very simple points with you tonight as we, we'll look at it kind of in an expository way, we'll just go just line by line and just examine what the scripture has for us tonight. But I want you to see some things that, that I've never seen before. A couple things that I had missed in seeing this story. We've all heard about the story of the leper. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic gospels. It's repeated in all three and the details are almost identical in all of them. And yet there are things that we always come across that the Lord just gives us at the right time or for the right purpose and Tonight, I believe that the Lord would have us see a couple of those things. I want you to notice, first of all, I'm just going to give you three things, a very simple message, but some things that we'll expound upon. I want you to notice, first of all, the leper's concern. The leper's concern. And you say, well, that's easy, preacher. If I were to ask you, what do you think the leper's concern is? Well, it's kind of right in the question, isn't it? The leper's concern is that he's a leper. I mean, that would be my concern. I've got leprosy. I've got cancer. I've got some other dreaded disease that is life-threatening and life-altering. I, I would think that would be the major concern. But I want you to notice in the scriptures tonight, as we, as we consider what the leper's concern is, I, I think we understand also that it likely started that way, but I think it began to turn his concern changed over time. And you understand that when you have faith in Christ, life's trials often become life's stepping stones and they draw us closer to God. 
I want to say tonight that though it's not explicitly stated that I believe the leper was a man of faith. And the reason I can say that tonight is because I want to show you what uh, I was referring to something earlier that I said I saw something I never noticed before. Because of what I saw that I'd never noticed before brings me to the idea that I believe he was a man of faith before he ever met Jesus Christ. I believe it was more than just hearing about this miracle worker and seeking him out and looking for a healing in his body, but something happened in his life before. There was something that came to pass that caused him to believe that Jesus could help him. Isn't it true that any miracle we read in the Bible, there's always faith involved? The woman that reached through the press of the people and grabbed on to the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ said in her heart before that, if I can just touch his hem, then I'll be healed. There was faith in her heart. She believed in the power of Jesus Christ. Now notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter 5 and verse 12 as we consider the leper's concern. The Bible says, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, referring to Jesus Christ, Behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Let me share with you what I saw that I never seen before. It's that phrase when he was in a certain city. You say, What do you mean by that? What's a leper doing in the city? That had never crossed my mind before. I'd never noticed that before, but lepers weren't allowed in the city. Lepers lived in colonies outside the city walls. The best that they could hope for was that they, people would have mercy upon them and hang rags over the wall for them to bind their wounds and, and bring food out to the colony and leave it at a safe distance. But leprosy was considered a highly contagious disease and they weren't allowed in the city. If they ever had to venture into the city for help or for food or for anything, they were to yell, unclean, and people would flee from them. But the Bible says that Jesus was in this certain city. It just happened upon this leper. There he was. That leads me to believe that that leper wasn't there by accident. There was a mission in mind. There was a purpose in him going into the city that day. And no doubt that he had spent his life in prayer and in fasting and seeking after a healing. And his major concern was leprosy. But once he uh, developed this faith in what Jesus had done, perhaps word had gotten to him about these miracles of Galilee. It's interesting that we don't really know for sure where this miracle took place. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say in a certain city. The book of Mark hints a little bit about where it might be. It says that Jesus was going to return to Jerusalem and on his way he went through Galilee and then through Samaria. And we know in the book of John, in John chapter 4, as he went through Samaria, he met with the woman at the well. It's very possible that this man, as Jesus was traveling through Galilee and healing and helping, turning water to wine in Cana, coming through Samaria, and there's a great revival there, that as he stopped in one of those cities, this leper had heard about Jesus. And I believe that his concern began to change. He put his faith in God and he trusted in this power of Jesus Christ. And he thought, you know, if Jesus comes to my city, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. I, I don't care what people think. 
Nobody's going to stop me from getting to Jesus Christ. And so now his concern was not the disease anymore, but it was the cure. I think anybody that gets sick, that might be the initial shock that takes place, isn't there? If you're sitting in a doctor's office and you're given a death sentence and you just, oh, maybe there's some tears. Maybe there's a time you go home and you tell your family and you pray with them. You finally tell the church and you get it on the prayer list and you get people praying for you. Maybe you're doing some fasting and praying and thinking about, but there comes a day, I think it's natural that eventually you say, you know what, let's start fighting this thing. Let's start looking for a cure. Let's start trusting in God. Let's start putting our faith in the power of Jesus Christ. And though the doctors say there's nothing they can do to help me and there's no healing available and there's nothing humanly possible they can do, I know the great physician. I know that there's a God who can. And I believe that this leper came to that point and he said, I'm not going to stay out here in the colony anymore and I'm I'm not going to just hope for rags and hope for the scraps of food, but I'm going to go into the city. It's against the social norm. It's not the right thing to do. But I'm going to go anyway. And I'm going to seek after Jesus. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city. Behold, a man full of leprosy who shouldn't have been there. Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The leper's concern, I believe, was threefold. His concern was seek first. His concern was to seek God's will. His concern was to seek God's will. Notice his language in verse 12, right near the end. If thou wilt. Well, I'm telling you what. Can you imagine if you were sitting in a doctor's office and you had some dreaded disease and the doctor says, well, you know, we got this experimental drug that just came into Canada, but I'm telling you over in Europe, it's got a 100% success rate. You take this one little pill, take this one little pill, and by morning, you're, you're fine. It just flushes out your system. Your, your body is clean. You are healed. You are perfected. I mean, what wouldn't you do to get your hand on that pill? What, wouldn't you, what would, would you say to that doctor? Well, you, you got to understand, it just came to Canada, and there's, there's some testing that needs to be done first. Come on, doctor. Come on, come here. I'm, I'm going to die here. There's no time for that. I'll be your test. Give it to me. But we might not. But the Bible says about this man, he he knew that Jesus had the cure. But he didn't beg him. He didn't give him an ultimatum. He didn't say, Jesus, you, you better give this to me. He just said simply, if thou wilt. If it's your will. I wonder how many times we miss the very blessing of God because... We ask God or tell God what we have to have. Instead of saying, God, I'm just going to leave it to your will. I'm just going to trust you. And you can do what's best for me. Several years ago in Hamilton, there was a young man that had gone Christmas shopping with his mom. They were coming out of the Lime Ridge Mall and there was a a movie that had just left out at the theater there. And as he was walking to the car with parcels with his mom, there was a group that came out of one side of the theater and a group that came out of the, uh, another theater. I guess there's two or three theaters or whatever, and they came out, and they were rival gangs. They ran into each other in the parking lot, and they started a fight right there. And this boy tried to get his mother to the car, and as they were getting to the car, uh, somebody stabbed that boy. 
They took him to the hospital and mother pled, begged God for his life and the boy died 17 years old. He knew Jesus Christ as his savior. I talked to the pastor that did the funeral. Over a thousand people came to the funeral. A whole high school came and everybody came. I talked to the pastor and he told me that 21 teenagers accepted Christ as their savior at that funeral. Now, if it was up to mom's will, and I'm not putting her down, I don't blame any mother for begging for the life of her son. But if it was her will, she'd still have her boy today. He'd probably be about 32 years old and married and have children and a family. If it were her will, but in God's will, there's 21 more young people going to see Jesus now. You think God wouldn't trade your life to see his glory and his kingdom expanded? To see more souls come to Jesus. But we have to put our hands in his will. And the leper did just that. I mean, he, he knew that Jesus was the cure. He broke the social norms and he went into the city and probably, by the way, probably had a, a, a dedicated audience with Jesus because everybody else would have got out of the way. But as he approached Jesus, he didn't beg or plead or get angry. He didn't demand that he give him anything. He just said, if thou wilt. There was no deals struck, no ultimatums, no favors offered to earn his grace. He just said, I want your will. His concern was to seek God's will. I want you to see, secondly, his concern was to see God's work. He wanted to see God work. He says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The key word there is thou. God, I want you to do a work here. I, I, don't, I don't want any doctor to get the credit for this miracle. I, I, don't, want, I don't want anybody to, to say to me, well, what did you do? Did you go through some health regimen? Did you, did you go and dip yourself in the River Jordan like Naaman had two years ago? What, what did you do? No, no, no. If thou wilt, thou canst. Jesus, I want to be very clear about something. This is all about you. And what you can do in my life. Well, I wonder how much more God would bless if we would just simply apply those two principles. If we could quit right now, tonight. If we could just stop right here at the message. And I got, I'm just on the first point. But what if we could just stop there and just tuck that away and take that home with us. God, I want to do what your will is. And I want to make sure that it's only you that working. I'm not in the flesh. I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to do something in this Sunday school class that's of myself. I'm not trying to sing in the choir and bring glory to my name. I'm not, I, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm not in the flesh. I, wanna, I want it to be your work. I want to see you move. I want to see you save souls. I want to see you change lives. I want to see you get all the glory. So I'm going to leave it up to your will, and I'm going to leave it up to your power. He had a desire to, a concern to see God's will, and he had a concern to see God's work, and his concern was also to see God worshiped. Notice how he approached Jesus in verse 12. It came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy who seen Jesus. What did he do? Fell on his face. He fell on his face. Verse 15 says this, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. Great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. The parallel passage in the book of Mark says it this way, but he went out and began to publish it much. 
And to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, they came to him from every quarter. What did, what did he do? He made much of Jesus. He wasn't supposed to, but we'll get to that in a moment. But the man's desire was, when he met Jesus, is to fall on his face before him. He humbled himself before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when God wrought this great work in his life, the Bible says in the book of Mark, he went out and published it abroad. And I like this, he blazed abroad the matter. He made much of Jesus. I don't know how, I don't know how he could have kept the, the command of Jesus without lying to people. I don't know. He walks back into the city and he's got no leprosy. Well, what happened to you? Well, what do you say to that? Jesus healed me. I'm not supposed to tell. I'm not supposed to say anything. But it was all Jesus. He's the great physician. We see, first of all, the leper's concern. But we see, secondly, the Lord's compassion. Look at verse 13 with me. The Lord's compassion. And he put forth his hand and touched him. The book of Matthew records it this way, and he showed compassion and touched him. They say, well, that's how Jesus healed a lot of people. The Bible says that the blind man, he took clay and dirt in his hand and he spit in it and he made clay and he touched his eyes. The Bible speaks of how he touched the ears of those, we know the Roman soldier whose Peter lopped off his ear. Jesus picked it up and touched it and healed him. We know that the woman touched the hem of his garment and through that simple touch, she was healed. But the Bible doesn't say that about this leper. Notice what the scripture says. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. The man wasn't healed when he touched him. He wasn't healed until Jesus spoke. He said, then why did he touch him at all? Compassion. This leper had no human contact for however long he had this disease. Now, as human beings, it is as natural that we desire fellowship. And we desire human contact. Have you ever understood why we shake hands with people. Must be some human contact involved there. Athletes high-five each other. They do this fist bump thing now. You know, the kids in the hallway, I'll, I'll go to shake their hands in the morning, they're doing this to me. I think they want to fight or something, I don't know. But it's that desire for human contact. Otherwise, we could say, hey, Tony, how are you doing? Just stay over there, okay? If we don't need human contact, because by the way, let's be honest, well, what a terrible way to spread a cold, you know? How many times have you seen these little ones down on the front row? And I'll tell you what, when we're shaking hands, I'm up here leading a song, glory to his name. And they're down here and they got their fingers in their nose. And then I said, let's all shake hands and guess who the first ones that run up to shake my hand are? We shake their hand. It's that desire for human contact. Jesus gave this man something that he hadn't had in a long time. And he didn't even heal him with it. That wasn't the point. There was compassion in the master's touch. We often pray for somebody and we'll say, Lord, they just need your touch. Well, I tell you what, that means so much more than a healing. 
Because if the master touches your life, you're, you're forever changed. Something comes over you. I, when last year, I guess it was last April, Bethany, when did we go to California? Was that last May, April? And I had the privilege to preach at the, the Bible College, West Coast Baptist College, and, and uh, poor Beth, you know, all the other kids have kind of grown up and they've got to do things, and Beth says, I, I don't ever get to do that kind of stuff. And so I said, I'll tell you what, you, you raise your money and, and I'll take you to California with me. So we went, we had a great time together, and, and I didn't even make her raise all the money, we just had a good time. And so we went, and we were looking, and I'm going to tell you, what a great travel partner. Most people are concerned about, you know, they want to see the, the Hollywood stuff. She wanted to see the palm trees and the ocean and things God made, amen? And she was taking pictures of all that, and we were having a good time, and we were, in, we were enjoying all that. And we got, we went up, I said to somebody, I said, what, 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 what should we go see? And they said, well, go to this. They said, do you have any shopping to do? And I said, well, yeah, Beth wants to get a couple souvenirs for for her siblings, a couple t-shirts or something. They said, go to this mall up on top of this mountain. It's called the Skywalk. We said, all right. So we went up there. We, we got up to the Skywalk. And I, I'm not lying to you. I'm not sure what was going on. But there was a, there's, a, there's all, you know, these entertainment TV shows, Entertainment Tonight and all these other things. It was one of them. I don't know which one it was. And the host of this show, it was outside, it was a set all set up outside, and I thought, what's going on? We stood there and watched for a minute, so what's going on over here? And so we were just looking at that thing. And I recognized the guy that came out, the host of the show, because he had been a kind of a teenage star when I was a teenager. And I thought, oh, I recognize that guy from TV way back when I was a kid. And then all these young girls came out, and it was some singing group, a band or something, I don't know. And I'm telling you what, those people went nuts. They went crazy. The creepy thing was, was there was a guy there about 30 years old, wasn't he, Beth? He was about 30 years old and he was screaming like a schoolgirl over these schoolgirls. And when their music started playing, he started dancing right in front of everybody. He was going crazy. I said, Beth, we got to get out of here. This, this is crazy. Whatever's going on here, let's get out of here. She said, yeah, let's get. So we, we took off and we got down and we walked down the mall. It was all an outdoor mall and she found her t-shirts and things and we got what we wanted and we were headed back and, and I saw that same guy and he's on his cell phone. He says, oh, you're not going to believe it. She touched me. He says, I reached out through the crowd and she reached out with her hand and she touched my hand and I'm never going to wash my hands again and I thought, what a fool. But there's that desire, isn't there, for that? It's not enough just to see it. You want that human contact. And Jesus graced this man with a touch. We notice in Jesus' compassion, first of all, a gentle touch. And secondly, a gracious word. It says in verse 13, he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. No abracadabra. Nothing showy about Jesus. I, I can almost, how many, how many of you picture Jesus smiling ear to ear when he says this? I will. Be thou clean. Boy, the words he was longing to hear. He, did, he didn't want to hear, let me, let me just say this, he didn't want to hear 
Oh, you've got leprosy because of your sin. A man didn't want to hear that. He probably knew he was a sinner. Well, you know that this is the very judgment of God, don't you? He didn't want to hear that. And by the way, if it was the judgment of God, Jesus would have known it. You could see right to the heart. Boy, sometimes that's how we, we shoot those people today, isn't it? Well, I wonder what they did. I wonder why God's judging them like that. Sometimes people need a gentle touch and a gracious word. They need a little bit of kindness. And Jesus reached out and he said, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. We see the lepers concern the Lord's compassion, but I want you to see thirdly the Lord's command. Look at verse 14. And he charged him, tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. The Lord's command. What does he say? He wants rendered obedience. Rendered obedience. You say, what does rendered mean? It means quid pro quo. It means I'm doing this for you, now I want you to obey me. You know, we find that all throughout the Bible, don't we? The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if ye have love one to another. And so there's some quid pro quo there. There's a trade-off. God says, I love you. I'm hoping you'll love me. And if you love me, keep my commandments, obey me. And if you love me and you want to prove to the world you're my disciples and love your brethren. And all through the Bible we see this. In other words, God is forming his family. And he's saying, here's here's how I want my family to behave. And so he says, if I'm going to do this for you, he says, I want some rendered obedience. And so here's what he says. He charged him, tell no man. Tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto him. So we see rendered obedience and we also see a required offering. He said, I want an expression of thankfulness. Don't just say you're thankful. Obey the law and show me you're thankful. Go to the priest and give an offering. Offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. My wife and I had a discussion a few years ago about gifts and things like that. We we came to this conclusion. Sometimes you, you know, how many of you when your kids were little, you threatened them, said, now you better behave or Santa Claus isn't coming this year. You ever do that? Boy, my mom did. I didn't think Santa ever was coming. You know, we, we hold that over their head. He's got the naughty list, right? Right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. Boy, I, I, don't, I don't practice Santa Claus. We never taught it to our kids, but I'm just telling you from memory. This, this is stuff that we, we teach kids sometimes. But sometimes we believe that as adults, too. And God is weighing the good and the bad, and he's blessing us when... Do you, know, do you know that that's the opposite of what grace is? Do you know that 
The expression of grace came in the very same sentence as the penalty of death, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The greatest expression of grace follows the greatest expression of condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation them which are in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians chapter 2. We have the very grace of God that has been expressed to us and given to us. And God says, all I want in return is an offering of your thankfulness. Hmm. My wife and I came to this conclusion about gifts. Gifts should never be given based on behavior. Because gifts are always an expression of our love. How many of you love your kids even when they mess up? You still love them, right? A gift is an expression of love. You might time that gift differently. <laughs> you might say, well, I'm not going to give that to you today. Well, we're going to wait until, you know, I don't want you to think I'm rewarding bad behavior. So we, we might think that way, but a gift is an expression of our love. I'm so glad that God didn't wait until I was being good before he loved me. That's grace. And so God says as he performs this miracle, I want you to just go and give this gift. It's a required offering. Jesus asked for it. And we say, really, do you want us to tithe? I don't want you to tithe. That's not my business. But here's what I know, that God sent his son and died on a cross for you. And he says there's such a thing as an offering of thankfulness. Well, I'm not going to give to that church. That's fine. You're not giving to the church anyway. You're giving to the Lord. Well, I don't trust what they're doing with the money. That's not your business. Well, it is my business. No. Because if it were your business, then it wasn't a gift in the first place. When you give a gift, it is for them to do with it what they please. Beth, when I give you a gift, that's yours. That's not mine any longer. If you turn around and give it to somebody else, that's not my business. That's your gift. That belongs to you. It may hurt my feelings. I may not like it, but that's yours because I gave it to you. Is that right? How old are you? 14. And you understand that? Hmm. Hmm. Listen, there's sometimes I, I give, and I'm not doing it with the right heart's attitude. But if I can get a hold of this, why do you give? I give because Jesus died for me. And I want to show that I'm thankful and I'm grateful, so I'm going to give. Well, what if somebody robs the church? It's not my money, it's God's. Boy, I tell you what, you want to rob God, you go ahead. You want to cheat God, you go ahead. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Boy, I don't want to stand before God one day and say, God, I, here's how thankful I was. I never gave a thing. I, I didn't, I'm not talking about tithing. I'm just talking about giving of ourselves and giving of our hearts and giving of our all. Just saying, Jesus, here I am. Do you understand what this leper sacrificed? He had to give everything to Jesus. Everything he owned was right there. Living in a colony outside of town, no doubt. 
The clothes on the back were all he had, and he just came and fell at Jesus' feet and said, here I am. Everything, warts, wrinkles, and all, I give it to you. And God did a great work in his life. Well, I tell you what, you miss out on the blessing when you don't give yourself to the Lord. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. In Luke chapter 17, we read about 10 lepers who were healed, but only one turned back to thank him and give God glory. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? Where are the thankful? I dare say that in this room tonight, there's many, many people that can say, you know what? God worked a miracle in my life. If you're saved tonight, there's miracle number one. But God's done so many other things for us, provided when we didn't expect it. I remember one time, Marvin and Marlene were living, and it was a Saturday night, and we had went over, and we were, Marvin took me aside, and he said, hey, can you pray with me about something? He says, my rent's due tomorrow. He said, I don't want you to tell anybody, but just pray with me. I said, all right. I, I didn't know how much his rent was. I didn't know anything about it. So we just went down and prayed. And, and I didn't know if he was just short 100 bucks, he was short 50 bucks. I had no idea. The next morning we went to church and somebody threw an envelope in the offering plate that said, Pastor Massacre, and it had nine $100 bills inside that envelope. I never told a soul. We just prayed. One of the men came out with that envelope. Pastor Master, this was in the offering for you. And just gave it to him and walked away. Didn't say anything, didn't look at it. He opened it up in the office. We were standing there and he started crying. He says, that's the exact amount of my rent. $900. Oh, but God doesn't work miracles today. Well, somehow he told that lady or whoever it was. How did that happen? Oh, God still does miracles. And we, we ought to be thankful for it. We ought to show our thankfulness. He, he had a required offering. Jesus was concerned about those nine who wouldn't return. Mark chapter 1 and verse 45, the parallel passage says this. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter. If you read in the book of Matthew and you read in the book of Luke, it says much the same as the book of Luke. It says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. You might read verse 14 where Jesus commands them not to, to speak about it, but to go to the priests and give an offering. And perhaps as he walked into the temple, you might think by reading Matthew and Luke that People just saw this man who was once a leper come into the temple and give an offering that was commanded and they went, oh wow, he's been healed. Maybe somebody said, well, that's because Jesus was in town. But that's not what happened. <laughs> the man disobeyed Jesus. The Bible flat out says in, in the book of Mark, he went out and began to publish it abroad. I'm gonna be honest, I'm not sure what to make of it. Jesus told the man not to say anything, but the scripture says, but he went out and began to publish it abroad. I can't understand why he would disobey. I'm not sure why Jesus commanded it in the first place. But here's what I can learn from it. His leprosy did not return even though he disobeyed. His leprosy did not return. 
You say, what do you mean by that? God still showed grace. Well, I see a picture of salvation there. I can come to Jesus and be Christ and be cleansed of my sins, and I'm going to tell you what, I still fail, I still sin, but God's grace is still sufficient. He doesn't put the wages back upon me. The Lord doesn't rebuke him. His leprosy doesn't return. Instead, God shows grace. When God worked in his life, he couldn't help but tell. We see that the leper had a concern, but our focus tonight is the Lord's compassion and the Lord's command. And I believe that command is pretty suitable for us to follow still. If we're thankful, why not show it? Are you talking about money and tithing? No. I'm talking about giving yourself to the Lord. What have you done for the Lord? If you love me, keep my commandments. We love him. There's this quid pro quo here. There's, it's a two-way street. It's, it's not one-sided. It's, it's a relationship. And God demonstrates it through the miracle of the leper. I want you to watch this video tonight just for a moment. It's, you'll recognize it. You'll recognize the place. But I want you to hear the words of this song in closing tonight. Brother Judge. Several months ago, or years ago now, about a year and a half ago, Brother Jake was actually preaching on a Wednesday night. And I was sitting in the audience there, and I love hearing these guys preach. Well, we were doing uh, uh, different doctrines of the Bible each week, and uh, Brother Jake just so happened to have the one on Jesus Christ. And uh, he began to talk about the Lord and uh, what the Lord had done. And, and uh, then he got to the story in the scriptures about the lepers that he healed. And uh, Jesus healed several lepers, but then he, he made this statement when he was preaching. He said, you know, then he told the leper, don't tell anybody what I just did for you. And I thought, what kind of a ridiculous statement is that? You've just been healed of the most deadly disease known to mankind of that day. And I, I begin to think, how could I not tell what he's done for me? Just like that leopard. I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to keep that a secret. Everybody in the world knows your life has been changed. Boy, I tell you what I'm going to do. I want to shout it from the housetops. What the Lord has done in my life in the last 24 years that I've been saved. He says these words, and I began to write these words in the middle of his message, of course. And uh, it was a good message, but I wasn't paying that much attention, Brother Jake. How could I not tell what he's done for me? by him and said be made whole our Lord said to tell not how he'd been restored but Jesus commandment he seemed to ignore and he said how could I not tell what he's done for me how does a prisoner not shout, I am free? How does a beggar not say he's found bread? How could I not tell in spite of what he said? 
just an old sinner I was traveling life's road when Jesus passed by me and said be made whole and just like that leper I'll gladly proclaim there is still healing in his precious found bread how could I not tell in spite of what he said I'll tell it both far and near in spite of what he said for all of the world to hear in spite of what he said how could I tell what he's done for me how does a prisoner not shout i am free how does a beggar not say he's found bread how could i not tell in spite of what he bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around. I thought the song might help us understand how that leper was feeling and why he disobeyed the word of Christ and went out and told everybody about what Jesus had done. Let's get back to our content tonight and maybe you need a touch from the Lord, his compassion. We just have to understand that we have to desire his will and his work, that he gets the glory for it. Boy, I'm not saying God doesn't show grace in other seasons, but it seems like that's when God desires to work the most. When we say, God, I'll just give it all to you. I'll surrender everything. Just let you receive all the glory. I want your will and I want your work. And I'm gonna worship you. Maybe there's one here tonight that says, I just need to touch the Lord like that. I need God's compassion. Why don't you just ask for it tonight? Come with that right heart's attitude. Right where you are, just reach out to the Lord. The piano's going to begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar's open even now. What about the Lord's command? Are we, God has done so much in our lives, like the leper, we were lost and undone. He saved us. Are you obedient to Him? Are you expressing your gratefulness and thankfulness by giving Him your life? What has the Lord done for you? And ask Brother Baker to sing a verse of that song. If God has spoke to your heart, you step out and come.